Here comes the rundown. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to the rundown number four. I'm your host, Jared Warren, with my co-pilot, Bo Coleman. And you really are a co-pilot. We've already established or that. Just, or just a pilot. Or, well, yeah, right. Either way. What's happening with you this week? Uh, this week's good. You know, uh, we're here on Wednesday, January 31st, about to close out the month, which means I do expect a certain message on Slack tomorrow morning from a certain someone, as always, from the first of the month. Yeah, Slack is great. If you guys aren't using Slack within your offices, for those of you who don't know, if you're new listeners to the Success 101 podcast or the rundown, I've got a financial practice I run here in Dallas and uh, run an office in territory called Los Colinas and work with financial advisors work with my own clients. Bo's in my office. He's been awesome to have here. And I send out a message to those guys toward the end of each month saying, hey, get it together. It's almost the end of the month. So we'll see what happens. You know, it wasn't actually, I do look forward to that message too, but that wasn't what I was talking about. I was talking about a certain video that's put out the first of the month. Oh, sorry. Yeah. One of our individuals puts out Bone Thugs and Harmony first of the month. (laughs) Every month. There was only one time probably in the last two years that Kyle was late on that. And I was really depressed and disappointed. And he posted it later in the day. And I'm like, ah, okay, now I've got my bow thugs in harmony. <laughs> uh, guys, we've got a really special episode to bring to you guys today. But first, I'm sure you want to mention our uh, sponsors. And I'm going to mention that my book is still available by my team for just the shipping cost. From Success to Significance, the Vision Building Manual. To help you guys start off 2018 in an awesome way, the year has already started, but if you guys want to attack the rest of the year, I want you guys to go to my website, grab my book. My team has offered it for free. All you have to do is cover the shipping on this if you're in the United States. Head to success101podcast.com forward slash book, and in the checkout section, enter Success 101. Success 101. If you're in the United States, you're going to get that for just the shipping cost. They've made it super easy for you guys to grab this. If you're international, which if you're in another country, is that what international means? No, you don't feel like you're international if you're in another country. But from where we're sitting, if you're outside the United States, you're international. You guys can grab the ebook version for about the same cost. Head to success101podcast.com forward slash book for the ebook version or the paperback version for just the shipping cost. This is more like a workbook. Yeah, I was going to say it's like a work. It's more like a workbook. Like you have to write in it. I loved it. You know, I mean, it's, it's very organizational, which someone like me who I don't have a whole lot of organizational strengths, I need stuff like that. I need to be able to. Oh, come don't in. be so hard on yourself. <laughs> well, I need someone to come in and basically say, like, you know, okay, it's all right. Not everyone, you know, has this skill set off the bat. And so it was really helpful to have those things where it helped me uh, just list, just make lists and, and goals and things that I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And what he's talking about there is how this book was set up with the six vision building exercises, the five components for creating your vision strategy. And if you guys want to know more about what I'm talking about, 
head to success101podcast.com forward slash book. And again, at checkout, if you're in the United States, enter success101 in the coupon code. If you're outside the United States, select the ebook reader. And I cannot wait to hear those of you that go and download what your comments are, because you guys writing into me of how you're using this book, how you're modifying some of the vision building exercises I created has been awesome for me. And I can't wait to hear more about how it's changing your life and helping you crush 2018. This podcast is also brought to you by Ample. Ample. Our friends over to Ample have created an incredible meal replacement stack for you guys. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the sponsorship today because I want to get straight into our episode, but you guys owe it to yourself to head to success101podcast.com forward slash Ample. Go check out what the great people at Ample have done with their meal replacement stack over there. You can't get these ingredients if you go to Central Market, Market Street, anywhere else at Bow Shops, Walmart, any place like that. Look at the nutrition facts. It's soy-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, no artificial sweeteners, no sugar added. It's all the goodness from around the world that if you had those ingredients, even if you went and found them, Bo, in a store, You'd have to chop and blend and process. Why not just pick up your ain't, bottle? Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Why don't you just pick up your bottle each morning as you leave, just as I do, add a little milk to it, shake it up. And I'm telling you guys, if you haven't heard about Ample and what Connor Young has created over there, you're doing yourself a huge disservice if you're trying to get your brain and your body to peak performance each day. Grab 15% off by entering SUCCESS101 in the promo code. And I can't wait to hear from you guys who have tried it for the first time because the reviews have been awesome on this. It's something I do every day. It's how I stay on top of everything, keeping my brain and body focused on what I've got to do. And literally, it is one of the keystones toward my peak performance. I want you guys to go out and grab it. So Jared, first up, I had to go with what I wanted to share with you and I was most eager to share with you, but killer whales. Killer whales have learned to speak to humans, and really what they're doing is they're imitating sounds that they hear. Well, that I mean, that happened years ago on Free Willy. Right? Great Did movie. you see that? Oh, dude. The Michael Jackson soundtrack on that is phenomenal. I don't know if you know this, but when I was little, I watched that movie over and over and over again to the point where it drove my dad nuts. Carry like a river ocean, and then you will say to me... You're my friend. Dude, great song. Great song. I mean, it's just so sad that, I actually, that the dorsal fin goes limp. It, it really is I mean, sad. at some point, though, in all of our lives, things go limp. The and you can't fin help goes it. limp, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But there's things nowadays that can help that. We'll get into that in another podcast. Right, of course. Uh, I watched that movie on repeat, <laughs> and my mom one time was pushing a car around, and it was just me and my younger sister. We're the only two that were born at that time. And my name is Bo, her name is McKay, and we're being pushed around the grocery store, and some woman walks up to my mom, and she's just like, oh my gosh, you have such cute kids. What are their names? And I said, my name was Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> just like in sixth grade, I told my teacher for six months my name was Kevin, because I love Home Alone. <laughs> And then my mom comes to check my grades at Meet the Teacher, and she says, I'm here to see the grades of Jared Warren. And she says, oh, you mean Kevin Warren? She said, no, Jared Warren, that's his name. <laughs> well, he goes by Kevin for the last six months. I just love the name. See, that's why I laughed so hard at that story that person told me, because it reminded me of me telling this woman in the grocery store that my name was Jesse. And my sister, <laughs> my sister, who wanted to copy everything that her older brother did, tried to say her name was Jesse, too. But her, she said her name was Sassy. And to this day, my sister is in my telephone as well, Sassy. Well, Sassy is a cat on Homeward Bound. 
That's right. And we watch Homeward Bound all the time, too, with Chance and Shadow and Sassy. So like I said, killer whales have learned to speak to humans by imitating sounds that they hear. However, their vocabulary has been criticized to be very limited. Hey, wait, I mean, I'm curious. Have all killer whales learned this uh, vocabulary or just the ones they train? Well, this this specific one. Oh, there's one. Okay, right. right, (laughs) Yes, right. It's just one that is talking. I'm I'm so glad we confirmed that. Dictionary is a little limited. Uh, So anyways, the orca in question is everyone's third favorite whale. Wiki. Everyone's. Everyone's third favorite whale. I I don't know anything about that whale. Well, it's not everyone. It's wiki. Uh, Who's your first favorite whale? Uh, Shamu. Shamu. And your second favorite whale is the Michael Jordan whale of killer whales that jumped over that kid on the jetty in Free Willy. What's his name? Willy. (laughs) It starts with the K. I know that. The name of the whale in that movie, Free Willy, starts with the K. Kiko. Kiko. So this is Wiki. She's now your third favorite whale. Kiko. That's a rapper. That's got to be a rapper. I am Kiko. Oh, I like to free flow. Oh, don't you all know? Oh, my name is Kiko. There you go. So Wiki has learned to mimic words like hello, bye-bye, and one, two. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> one, two. One, two. One, two. I haven't heard anything. This is like one, two. No. (laughs) So you lied to me. Killer Well. Wait, but guys, just so we're truthful here on the rundown, Killer Wells. Officially have not learned to talk like humans. <laughs> Bo, you might be exiled for an entire podcast. No, I have dude, no idea. That was, hey, look, the hello was kind of on point. I've been saying one, two, almost every single Thanksgiving, every single year while I'm in the bathroom after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> really, what we just found out is that whales have a great sense of humor. What we just really found out is that people saying whales are talking and trying to publish it online. Or full of crap. Oh, oh, you want me to say one, two? Hey, how's this? Okay, here's the shuttle launch. Five, four, three. (laughs) So we want to talk about the State of the Union that just happened last night, January 30th. Donald Trump. Today being the 31st. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. By the way, speaking of presidents and people that rule countries, I have really enjoyed the crown. You gave me that recommendation. Yes, I did. The Crown's a good show. It's been really awesome. I didn't have a ton of history on the Queen and her husband and how her father... Well, I'm not going to give any of it away, right? Right. No spoilers. How all that happened where she took over the throne, but it's been really interesting. And then poor Charles. I mean, she's so old and she's had that for so long that he's like... I mean, he might die before he becomes king. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. (laughs) It's something to think about. She's still healthy. She's still got her good mind and he's getting older. I mean, he could drop dead of a heart attack and never take the throne. She's the longest reigning monarch in England's history. World history. Yeah. World history. Okay. World history. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about the state of the union address. Did you have a chance to watch it? I did not. Well, I, I was out in an event that night, but I did come back and watch it on the daily wire. They had it streamed live and I always loved their commentary. The highlight of the night. 
and I want you guys to go YouTube this if you get a chance, was Nancy Pelosi playing with her dentures at three oh. different points during the State of the Union oh. address. Like, okay, hold on. Playing with them like... She was juggling them. Like, in, yeah, in her, in her Jug- mouth. Ju- oh. No, in, not outside of her mouth. Oh. In her mouth. So like, it kind of looks like the first hey, kids, time... Watch this. The first time the camera catches her, it kind of looks like she's just moving her tongue around in her mouth, but it's kind of weird looking. So it's like, why would you be doing that? And then the next two times, it's obvious that she's got them loose in her mouth, kind of moving oh, them no. around. Okay, that a couple of things right now that that is something that someone would do when they're obviously going to be like on camera at the state of the union. Cause she's, I mean, Nancy Pelosi, she's not going to be at the state of the union and then not be on camera. Why risk that? It's like, I think, I think whenever you're just in your own element, you, it's like trying to sneak a quick booger pick (laughs) (laughs) at a traffic light. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sure. Well, that's where I see people doing it all the time. You look over and they're just rolling it around. Got it. I was thinking more like, you know, at a press conference, you're being interviewed, you just decide while you're up there in front of all the important, just, you know, Pick for gold. Bo, did you know this, that the State of the Union, what we know about it today, was really not ever supposed to be a thing. Really? So it actually went through stages. A lot of people don't know this. Okay. The State of the Union that we know of today, a lot of people, really even people high up in politics and people who analyze politics, they, they're kind of disgusted by it. They don't like it. They say it's kind of really just, Well, they kind of say it's just a showmanship thing where whoever's party's in favor, they're going to stand up 48 times during the night and clap about everything, whereas the other party sits down. And it's just kind of this showman false thing. And very few people actually focus on the message. Okay, gotcha. Let's start off way back to trace how this thing changed over time. When you're seeing the news cameras following him down Pennsylvania Avenue with all the black cars going down and they're making their comments and, you know, then you see the separation of powers arrive on the different branches and people are coming in almost like a Hollywood, you know, carpet thing. I think a lot of people think that that's just kind of how it's always been, but that's false. Okay. Well, enlighten me because that's all I'm used to. And probably another reason that people think that this thing has been going on forever is the Constitution Actually, in some ways, some people think calls for it, but then other people say it speaks very little about it. And what I mean by that is Article 2, Section 3 says, this is in the Constitution, says the president from time to time shall give the Congress information on the state of the union. But this broad instruction has been varyingly interpreted since 1790 when President George Washington first addressed a joint session of Congress on January 8th in New York. President Thomas Jefferson in 1801 decided that an in-person speech to Congress was too akin to an emperor's speech from the throne. So Jefferson wrote an address that a clerk read to Congress. Well, as we all know, he was incredible at writing with the Declaration. And after that time, that's what presidents did for many years. A lot of the stuff that I've heard about Thomas Jefferson, and I might be completely wrong about this and feel free to correct me, but it kind of seems like he was a guy who kind of, you know, like he was he was deserving of all the power that was given to him, but he almost like didn't want it. It sounds like like he was very afraid to cross that line of just too like being like monarchy. If you look at all of his writings, if you look at the way he handled people, he was very good in one on one close sessions. It's kind of amazing that a guy like that even became president. Right. He's very like anti super over control. So Jefferson, he writes this address. The clerk reads it to Congress. Every president after that, it became a tradition. So that in 1888, in the journal of British ambassador to the U.S., James Bryce, he wrote that this meeting has not necessarily any more effect on Congress than any article in a prominent party newspaper. It's just kind of it's it's not even supposed to be a thing. It's fluff. Yeah, it's not even supposed to be a thing at all. Well, and that's kind of crazy because I feel like in today's world, 
there's not many opportunities where we all gather around a television or a radio and listen to the president address the nation as a whole. You would think it would be a big thing. Right. In 1913, President Woodrow Wilson aptly recognized that a widely publicized address to Congress could infuse his progressive legislative agenda with needed political capital. So he's hurting for basically love. He wants a little bit of love. Numbers are down. Polls are down. He wants to show the nation that he should be their president. So he decides. Oh, so now he's. OK. All he decides right. I'm not going to write this thing out. We're going to make it a big to do. OK. Remember, every president since he was Jefferson performer. in 1801 had been writing this thing out. And in 1913, he says, let's do it. <laughs> Wait. So when everyone's writing it out, are they like sending it into Congress and Congress is reading it out loud? Like someone's like grabbing it and they're well, reading clerk. it word for word. Someone's just standing up there. You know how they used to announce stuff. And here's what the president says. And so he's just reading I don't it know out. if anyone talked like that until the 1920s. No, that's how they that's exactly how they. Talk. Oh, okay. that's, I've seen videos. Got it. You've seen videos. <laughs> so, I mean, think about this. I mean, traditions don't die quickly. So Wilson wanted to break all of this. He didn't like that most lawmaking began with Congress. He wanted to be the one that was more in power. And he didn't like the Constitution separation of powers because it limited decisions that he wanted to make. Oh, wow. So he's almost trying to make it a monarchy. Monarchy, bit, yeah. It like, right? Yeah, wow. That's very... I mean, if you think about, even go back to Obama and how hard it was for him to try to enact a lot of his agendas after the Democrats lost control of the House in 2010. Right. He was a little bit more in power, not a monarchy, right? Because he still had to have their support. But he's a little bit more in power whenever they're in control than whenever they lost the House. And then suddenly he, he's got a lot of that power stripped away. That's why this experiment back in the colonial days is such an awesome thing. Because everyone in the world, I mean, you literally have kings and queens and rulers riding into the founding fathers saying, basically, in lack of better words, we look forward to seeing how this experiment goes. Because it had never been done before. Democracy. Yes. Gotcha. Never been done before. I, I didn't know that. So like... Kings and queens from all over the world are like, you know, kind of sticking their head over going, hey, how's this going to play out? We're excited to see this, right? Absolutely. I had no idea. Congress didn't like the fact that Wilson was trying to change up history. Again, traditions don't die easy. No, they don't. But he pushed and pushed and continued to do a State of the Union address in person for five years. And thus, a brand new tradition was born, the State of the Union address as we know it today. Only Calvin Coolidge's first annual message was delivered to Congress and read aloud in person. It was also the first to be broadcast nationally on the radio. His remaining five were written, as were all four of Herbert Hoover's. Every single one of Franklin Roosevelt's annual messages were delivered in person to Congress. Wait, so the last two guys, they just wanted old school is what they wanted. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to swing it back the other way. Well, I mean, I can appreciate that. But then FDR was like, mm -mm, no. And during Franklin Roosevelt's time, the annual message officially started being known as the State of the Union. Donald Trump's address that he just did was the 32nd consecutive State of the Union address that a president has personally delivered to Congress. 32nd, huh? 32nd consecutive. Co right, consecutive. So we're on a pretty long span here. Who knows when we'll get somebody in there that says, you know what, I'm just going to write it. I don't know how well that would go over in today's time, though, with all the camera and media attention. Again, it's almost like the red carpet of Hollywood. You see these people walk in, yeah, they I announce them, that, though. they give facts about them, and they wave and shine their beautiful white teeth at everybody. <laughs> and their dentures. <laughs> and their dentures. <laughs> so here's the crazy thing. Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution that says that the president should from time to time deliver an address. Right. doesn't say it has to be annually. And it really is up to the president's discretion how he does it. I mean, he literally could write almost nothing. 
or he could go on and on for as long as he wants to. It's totally up to the president how he does it. Nobody controls that but him. Okay. Well, I feel like in today's world, it would almost not it would almost do harm for the president not to go and do that because it's now kind of expected i mean like you said it's the 32nd consecutive time it's been broadcasted like to the people in the same manner fashion it would almost do detriment not to get up there and do what's almost expected i mean it'd be radical not to do it that but remember starting with jefferson it went over a hundred years before it was changed right i know so it could be changed again it could be. It could be. We shall wait and see. So here's what I want to read you guys. Seven facts about the State of the Union address. So all of that was just kind of a build up to these seven facts of the State of the Union. Okay. As I mentioned, the U.S. Constitution requires the president to deliver a State of the Union address to Congress. How he delivers it, how long it is, what it entails. There's, how often? You said it doesn't have to be annual. No, it's, I mean, literally the language is from, shall from time to time. Right. So we so he can do it whenever he wants. He, he can do it on Twitter it weekly. Three days in a row Absolutely. and then not again. Absolutely. Wow. It's totally up to him. Totally up to him. Wow. Probably want to spread it out a little bit so more things Mm-mm. can happen. Mm-mm. I would do a three-part State of the Union address. Although the Constitution doesn't define from time to time, the tradition has been that the message is given once a year. Is it like on a specific date or is it just kind of when they choose? Whenever they choose. It's totally up to them. Oh, wow. Totally up to him. Okay. It's my or, decision. Or I do it when I want. It's going to be huge. <laughs> Number two, before FDR took office, presidents had called their annual message to Congress just that, the annual message. The annual message, which I guess makes sense if everyone's doing it just once a year. Even though the word State of the Union actually appear in, in the Constitution saying the president from time to time should give a State of the Union. From time to time should give the Congress information of the State of the Union. State of the Union has got a more official ring to it. Annual message, I'd tune out. I would tune out. Number three, for more than a century, the State of the Union was delivered to Congress in writing rather than in a speech before a joint session of Congress. Yeah, by the way, annual message is what I call the one time a year that I actually post something on Twitter. <laughs> That's it. I didn't know you weren't a Twitter guy. Instagram's another thing I just can't figure out how to navigate. I love, it's my favorite. For the life it's my favorite I, social I need, media. I need a one-on-one session where I figure out how to use it the right I'll, way. I'll bill you. I'll, I'll charge you. you. Okay. Charge, huh? Okay. As I mentioned, George Washington delivered the first State of the Union address or annual message in person to Congress. John Adams did likewise during his one term in office. Thomas Jefferson, what do we say about him? He wrote it. He abandoned the in-person speech for the written message, perhaps because he wasn't a great public speaker. That's what most historians Mm -hmm. think. I actually think it was because he loved the way his handwriting looked. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're correct. They are going to think this looks so good. By the way, you haven't seen it yet, but I bought a shirt the other day from one of my favorite clothing stores called 1776 United, and it's a blue Navy shirt. And it's got all the signatures of the founding fathers just all the way down the front of the shirt. Wow. And it looks awesome. I When I was in college, I bought two amazing shirts. One was a black shirt with the U.S., the USA, just kind of, you know, in, the, in a map right there. And it was red, white, and blue colors. And it said, back-to-back World War champs. Oh, I love that. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. And the other one was a white shirt. And in camo lettering, it said, camo, America's away colors. Nice. <laughs> I've not seen that one. That was a, I like that. No, but I've, I've, got, it's, uh, I've got the founder shirt. There you go. And it's pretty cool. I like that. It's pretty cool. What was the website called? 1776 United. I just gave them a plug. Hopefully they'll sponsor us on this podcast. Yeah, I might. If I'm going to mention you, you guys need to be paying some money for that. Yeah, so. I might go check that out. No, it's it's really cool. I love it. 
Ever since FDR's time, presidents have almost always used speeches rather than written messages to fulfill their constitutional obligation to inform Congress about the State of the Union, except for those couple that we mentioned in there. Right. Coolidge and Wilson. Number four, some presidents go short in their State of the Union addresses and some go very long. Washington holds the record for brevity. Brevity being brevity. brief. Brief. Is that what kind of boxers? Washington used only 1,089 words. That's not a lot, man. No. You'd think of a Twitter account now, it's what, 240 characters? Jimmy Carter holds the record for the longest State of the Union address. Oh. He would, the most boring sounding person on the face of the planet. Ah, <laughs> Jimmy Carter, read the State of the Union address. Oh, hey, Jimmy. Oh, hi, Bo. Some people say I'm the worst president ever in the history of the United States. How's your uh, how's your how's your peanut business going over there? Uh, I like growing peanuts and uh, like also playing tiddlywinks. <laughs> tiddlywinks. That's a southern thing for those of you that don't know. I think I'm a great president, but everyone in the world has said that I probably had the worst presidency and the lowest ratings of all time. So. To pay you guys back, I'm going to have the longest State of the Union address. You just sit there and listen to me all night long. (laughs) Just like I'm talking right now, long time. That's how my State of the Union address is going to go. Oh, this is is quite a pleasure. I'm Jimmy Carter, and I like talking for a long time. I may not have had a good presidency, but I can sure keep a long speech. Some people call this a filibuster. Why? I don't know. Jimmy, Jimmy, gosh. That sounds like a funny word, filibuster. Hey, Jimmy. Wow. Oh, sorry. I got carried you away. You have to be running out of oxygen at this point, Jimmy. <sighs> I thought I was talking to Congress again on that one year when everyone hated me and Jimmy. I wanted to just talk. Jimmy. Jimmy. But what just happened? I thought I was giving a speech, but now we're here in this room together. You, you blacked out there for a second, Jimmy. I guess I'll go back and grow my penis just, and try to get my approval. You just go up. back to living longer than any president. But... Actually, history says that he thankfully delivered that address in writing. So he didn't say any of that that I just said. Thank God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Good Lord. Ah. That address ran 33,667 words. Compare that to the 1,000 words by George Washington. And that's the last time the State of the Union address was delivered in writing. They said, oh, my gosh, we didn't know that this could happen. But if somebody can write that many words that we all have to read to figure out what he's saying, we're not going to let him do that again. I guarantee you he got an unpaid intern to, to do the whole thing. He, <laughs> it's like, hey, I need you to transcribe word for word what I'm saying as I say it. I haven't had many successes in my presidency. So if you can write this, that'd be great. I'll go and uh, tend to my peanuts. And by the way, we're not going to pay you for it. Bill Clinton holds the record for the longest State of the Union address delivered in person. Word-wise or That is measured by the number of words. Okay, so word-wise. 9,000 and some change in 1995. Not even close to Jimmy Carter's written. One hour, 28 minutes, and 49 seconds. Wait, actually, Bill Clinton holds two records. The most words, 9,000 and some change in 1995, and the time it took to deliver, one hour, 28 minutes, and 49 seconds in 2000. So Trump just gave the third longest speech ever oh, in wow. United States history. And everybody was ripping him because they're like, dude, you're a business guy. You're the closer. You're the seal the deal guy. You know, you can't go on and on for that long. He just kept talking and talking and talking. So Bill Clinton had the longest 
I did not have the longest State of the Union address. I did not get beat by anyone on my time, all my words. I did not have sexual relations (laughs) with the words on that address. I did not inhale. As the mode of delivering the State of the Union address has shifted from writing to speaking, and the audience of the addresses has shifted from lawmakers to the country at large, the linguistic complexity has declined. That is short form for we are all getting more stupid. Yep. Yep, that is, we're not sure that the American public can handle the diction that we are using, so we're going to dumb it down a little bit. Two presidents have never delivered an annual message or State of the Union address. William Henry Harrison and James Garfield both died before they had the chance to deliver one. Harrison from pneumonia in 1841 and Garfield from an assassin's bullet in 1881. While most of the State of the Union addresses are only remembered by those who wrote them, the ones with a lasting impact have often tackled foreign policy. The Monroe Doctrine was promulgated in James Madison. The Monroe Doctrine was discussed in James Madison's annual message in 1823. Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, by added way, his. By the way, thank you for taking the linguistics, the well, linguistic the, uh, complexity. I down thought a all notch. the stupid people listening wouldn't know what that is, so I took it out. Sorry. And FDR unveiled his four freedoms in his 1941 State of the Union address. And finally, George W. Bush warned of the axis of evil address speech. All I can think of is Will Ferrell's SNL skit about the axis of evil. Dick Cheney is now <laughs> is now my axis of evil. I'm heartened to hear that for the most part, the people of this country show strong support for my agenda. However, lately, there are some who are beginning to criticize this administration. Maybe these people don't understand. America is presently at war, not just a war on terrorism. You know who I'm talking about, Iran, Iraq, and one of the Koreas. (laughs) But my excess of evil doesn't seem to interest some people out there. Some people just want to talk about the economy and budgets and Enron. I bet most of you out there don't even understand Enron. I sure as heck don't. It hurts my head to think about it. So from now on, Enron will be part of my access of evil. I don't want to hear anything else about Enron unless our military has pounded it into submission. So look out, Enron. You are now part of the access of evil. So is the economy. I don't like the way this economy is acting. Not very American. It's evil. The economy is now part of my access of evil. Also, I don't like Senator Tom Daschle. You know why? He's very critical. You know where that leaves him? You got it. He's now part of the access of evil. So quick recap. That's Iran, Iraq, Enron, the economy, and Daschle, and one of those Koreas. They all form a terrible axis of evil, standing in the way of all that we as Americans value. And don't forget France. French don't like me saying access of evil. So guess what? They're now part of the very same axis of evil that they don't like me saying. How do you like them apples, France? Next time you keep your mouth shut. You mess with Texas and it's straight to the axis of evil. Got it? Germany, Italy, and Japan, they were the original axis of evil. Maybe they thought I would forget, but I didn't. They're back in. Here's one you probably didn't expect. Dick Cheney. Now, he's up to something. I don't like it. He's never around. If I'm in the White House, he's not. If I'm on a plane, nowhere in sight. He's very sneaky. Not to mention scary. 
I'm putting him in the axis of evil. For now. Evil Knievel's going in the axis of evil. But that's a no-brainer. But Dr. Evil? No, he makes me laugh, so he's out. So, see, America, there's nothing to fear. Everything's fine. You go out and buy your new cars and fly on airplanes and invest in Kmart. Don't, don't listen to what the economists say. Why? Because they like math. And math is very much a part of the axis of evil. Elon Musk is also in the news today, as I mentioned earlier. His new creation, The Boring Company, which I don't know if you know about it. It wants to create a network of underground tunnels to ease traffic congestion. Why is it called The Boring Company? Well, think about it. This not, guy. Not like boring, but like oh. boring. Yeah, exactly. Great, great imitation. I was so off. This guy is going to Mars and creating diesels that go from zero to 60 in five to six seconds. When you said boring company, I thought, nah, this guy hadn't done his research. But apparently you have. Right. It's no, it's boring. That's not right. boring. That's right. The boring company wants to create a network of underground tunnels to ease traffic congestion, which I am all for. Sort of like in North Korea. Uh, what? Tunnel warfare. If you hadn't heard, because I'm on the inside. I okay. work at the Pentagon six days a week. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Our troops are training right now for tunnel warfare. Oh, tunnel warfare. Dude, literally, if we go to war with North Korea, it's all tunnel warfare. Millions of troops lost very quickly in the war. That's terrifying. Yep. But we got to protect the USA. That we do. Wait, weren't we talking about Elon Musk? Uh, Yeah, anyways. um, The Boring Company is raising funds by selling... Are you ready for this? Yep. So Elon Musk is now selling flamethrowers. Just I, to raise money for this this company, and they're selling. Them but on I mean, what are they going to do? It's not. It's not for wartime. No, no. Uh, for five hundred dollars, you can order and arm yourself with a completely legal, by the way, legal and fully functional flamethrower. What does that have to do with boring? Well, they're trying to raise money to fund what it's going to take to make the underground network of tunnels. Tesla and SpaceX has something new for you: a flamethrower. Yep, he sold thousands in a matter of days. CBS2 Orange County reporter Michelle Gili shows us there are mixed opinions about uh, this fiery unit. <laughs> well, I think that uh, it's, it's America, so it's a free country, and you should be able to sell what you want if there's a market for it. Tesla founder Elon Musk says he sold the last of 20,000 flamethrowers to raise millions for his tunneling business. A company spokesman is quoted as saying, much like a roller coaster, this is designed to be thrilling without danger. But local fire experts who remind us that fire season is year-round in California disagree. When people have a product like this, I'm sure that they don't intend on burning anyone or anything or, uh, or destroying any property with it. But unfortunately, accidents do happen. And with a product like this that's so easily transportable, so easily, you know, and, and cr- creates a two-foot length flame, uh, it's only a matter of time before we really have a tragedy, uh, unfortunately, that's going to unfold here. According to Orange County Fire Authority Captain Larry Kurtz, there is nothing illegal in our state about owning a flamethrower as long as the flame that shoots out is less than 10 feet. But this man thinks the product needs to be tightly regulated. They shouldn't just be sold to any Tom, Dick and Harry. I think it's uh, a very uh, foolish thing for him to do that. I think he should have waited a little bit longer and got an opinion from people 
And uh, I, I, I mean, I didn't jump out and buy one. I didn't. Ju- I have money in my pocket. I've got the money to buy it right now. No question, it was a hot seller with a price tag of five hundred bucks. An assemblyman from L.A. is going to try and block the sale now of the flamethrowers. In Tustin, Michelle Geely, CBS Two News. And now he's trying to build an underground network of tunnels to ease traffic congestion by selling flamethrowers. Yes. I'm yeah. not following, Five, man. 500 apiece. I mean, which on an unrelated note, I'm actually out $500 as of <laughs> recently. <laughs> I feel like I'm a pretty up-to-date guy that follows things. Well, do you I haven't feel heard like, about this at all. Do you feel like you have $500 burning a hole in your pocket now? No, I haven't even heard about this. I have no idea what's going on. So Musk said on Twitter, when the zombie apocalypse happens, you'll be glad you bought a flamethrower. Success 101 podcast listeners, please don't go do anything until I've given you. (laughs) Musk even says it works against hordes of the undead or your money back. Hordes. Horde. Big big groups of people. Big groups of people. Yeah, hordes. Hordes or your money back. So, you know, it's nice to know that a company that's selling flamethrowers has the decency (laughs) to offer your money back should it not work against the undead. Man, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll give it to you. If we're selling flamethrowers here in the U.S. now. Did you know, by the way, flamethrowers are legal? No, they are legal. And to wrap up the podcast, Jared, once again, we are going to do on this day. Bring it to me, man. I want to hear it. What's All right, going on? Man. So in 1865, Congress passed the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery in America. Big day. That was on this day? That was on this day. Honest Abe, man. January. He knew what the people needed. 1950, U.S. President Harry Truman Harry Truman announced publicly his support for the production of the hydrogen bomb. The hydrogen bomb. It's actually called the Tsar Bomb. Tsar Bomba. Well, what I'm reading says hydrogen bomb. Yeah, that's what it was. It was Tsar Bomba. The, the Tsar Bomba. Spell Tsar. Uh, Z-A-R. T-S-A-R. So do you know how the hydrogen bomb worked? I mean, do you know, do you know the history of the bombs? Uh... For anybody that's interested, I've got a killer book for you guys to read. It's called Killing the Rising Sun. It's by Bill O'Reilly right. and Martin Dugard, his historian that he uses. But Bill O'Reilly likes to put the word killing in his title. Well, that's, his, of that's his kind book. of his shtick. And I've yeah. read all of his books. Killing Reagan, Killing Kennedy, Killing Lincoln, Killing Patton, Sun. Killing the Rising Sun. I've read all those. And Killing the Rising Sun is really interesting when it comes to the bombs because a lot of it is about how the U.S. defeated the Japanese. And it was a lot of it's about developing this bomb. Right. So this is in 1950 that you're describing here. Right. You so get past not, the war. not the atomic bombs, not the Manhattan Project, not the testing of little man fat boy or the dropping of little man fat boy. Oh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Right. right. This is so after you, the fact. Right. So you get out. And so the U.S. and the Russians were actually pretty tightly knit at that point. So you got Stalin, you got Truman. In 1950, the Russians start saying, OK, we've got the technology now that we've learned from some of you guys. We're going to develop something even greater. So the fat boy and little man, their mushroom clouds went up to about the height of a commercial airliner, 39, 49,000 feet. Man, that's, that is the hydrogen crazy. bomb. The czar bomb went over 200,000 feet Whoa. on the mushroom cloud. Whoa. Yeah. It's a, it's a freaking scary thing, man. When you think, I mean, we hear this word like, oh, some countries got nukes. There's eight countries that have nuclear capabilities right now. Right. North Korea being one of them, apparently. North Korea being one of them. And when you hear this about a country having nukes, it's like, okay, yeah, we, you know, in today's time, it's like, yeah, we kind of hear that these yeah, countries it's almost have nukes. like, dude, uh, we have no idea with what, because the only nuke that's ever been used, unfortunately, was done by our country, the United States. Yep. But if, if you go read Killing the Rising Sun, you'll realize if that bomb wasn't dropped, 
millions upon millions of people would have died by land invasion by the U.S. into Japan. It would because they don't surrender. Right. They, no, they would have no. just kept going. But the hydrogen bomb, which was only tested and has never been used, if that thing ever got out with today's capabilities, Hiroshima, whenever that thing exploded 2,000 feet above the surface of the city, for the first 200 to 400 yards, people are just incinerated, skin falling off their bodies, literally God. describes brains boiling in their bodies oh. in milliseconds. It's crazy. And they turned into carbon. People just literally like started to run and they just turned into carbon and just like fell over in the ground. I mean, so totally up to you, just like the president's speech is up to him. But will you commit to me to going and listening, even on audiobook, to Killing the Rising Killing Sun? Killing the Rising Sun, right. I'll do it from time to time in disagreement. My discretion. I don't think anything's going to happen. All right. So famous birthdays today, January 31st happy in history. Birthday, happy birthday. I'm still waiting for you to do the Marilyn Monroe song. I'm not sure that I'll ever do that. Well, you know, that's time, a little low for me. Time will tell. I do have my boundaries, Bo. We'll see. About I'm that. not that easy. Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. That's right. Jackie Robinson, 1919, born Jan 31st, last day of January. Number 42. Hey, there you go. What well was the done. name of the movie more recently put out about him? Do you know the name of it? It was 42. Ah, <laughs> you can't. I think you just said it because I just kind of gave it to you when I said his number and it jogged your memory. You can't get one past. You probably would have said it was Mr. Baseball or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, also, today's birthdays, turning 71 today, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Texas Rangers great Nolan Ryan. I wish we had Robin Ventura to sing happy birthday to him. Robin Ventura probably doesn't want to ever be in a one-on-one situation. I actually with. heard they made up. Did they? They're they're like cordial. They laugh together when well, they I'm see sure each other they are. places. Yeah, I'm sure Robin Ventura had to go up to him and be like, "Hey, <laughs> can we be friends now?" Because everything that's got my name and your name in the same sentence, everyone just remembers that picture of me in the headlock with your face in my teeth. Don't mess with Texas. <laughs> oh. That's right, man. If you guys have never looked up, for those of you out there who aren't baseball fans, which I'm admittedly not. So you guys go YouTube, Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura. You could probably just type in Nolan Ryan beats the crap out of, and then it'll just Batter. pre-fill. <laughs> yeah, it'll just pre-fill Robin Ventura's name. While he's in a headlock with Nolan Ryan and his fist just in his teeth. What a bad move. What a bad move. Kind of makes me think of that Bo Jackson hit into Nolan Ryan's mouth, Wait, where what? he's just pouring blood on the mound. Who? He threw the pitch, and Bo Jackson hit it, and it came back and just hit him square in the face. Oh, and then Nolan Ryan's on the mound just spitting blood profusely. I didn't know about that. And he keeps pitching because he's a such, from Texas. Just the most Texan Texas player there ever Look up was. that video too, guys. Nolan Ryan hit in the mouth by Bo Jackson. Pretty crazy looking. So great episode today. Guys, thanks so much for joining us here on the rundown number four. If you'd like to connect directly with us, shoot our team an email to info at success101podcast.com. You can catch us both on Facebook, on Twitter, Actually, you don't tweet. I'm not going to say that. Well, I might have to start getting into it once I figure out how to use it. Or you can catch me on Instagram under the name at success101podcast. And as always, we'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode of The Rundown. The Rundown.